Amen. You guys can be seated this morning. Um, I love when we get an opportunity to be led by our students. Um, One of the craziest times in student ministry is when some of your worship leaders uh, depart and head off to college and the other ones are stepping in. And so um, some of our musicians this morning, it's their first time leading this morning. So um, just give them a a, a round of just thankfulness this morning for leading you today. If you don't think it's nerve-wracking, give it a shot, all right? Big deal, big deal. So last Sunday in our fifth week of our pattern series, we talked about the pattern of sharing your story with other people. And a handful of you shared your stories with me, and even some of you gave permission for me to share your stories, and I haven't been able to go back with you and talk with you about how that could happen or, or when that could happen. But two themes kept recurring in your stories that you shared with me brokenness and joy brokenness and joy kept coming back to me as i read through some of your stories and uh, last sunday night i uh, we celebrated last last weekend my wife and i celebrated our 23rd wedding anniversary uh went out to dinner and uh it was a great dinner i went home with a migraine headache fantastic way to celebrate your anniversary Um, But because of that, I went to sleep really early, and I woke up at 3 a.m., and I was reading your stories, and I I couldn't go back to sleep. I was just so excited to hear your stories, but I kept hearing brokenness and joy. Brokenness came in the form of addictions. Brokenness came in the form of abandonment from a father or mother or both. Brokenness came in the form of homosexuality, of broken marriages, death of loved one hypocrisy from the people sharing their stories and hypocrisy from those claiming to be followers of Jesus, eating disorders, periods of rebellion and longing, people searching for acceptance, immorality. Just just to share a few of those little pieces of information of stories that came along, that came to me, but just sheer brokenness. But all of them also had the story of joy, the story of freedom that comes in Jesus Christ, the mending of marriages, the leading of someone to Christ by someone who would become their future spouse, a beautiful moment of joy being led by your future spouse to Christ, family members sharing their faith. Several people just express their love and their joy for the Lord as their Redeemer. These ran through our passage of Scripture as well last week. Paul, as we saw last week, was speaking to a young man by the name of Timothy. He was patterning. He was living his life in front of him, laying it out there for him. And he said, listen, I'm a persecutor. I'm a blasphemer. I'm pursuing those, and my purpose is to have them killed. But he also goes on to say, but I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Paul experienced brokenness in the middle of his persecuting Christians. In the middle of it, he he experienced this joy, yet he experienced the grace of God, forgiveness, and that led him to worship. That led him to joy. All throughout scripture, uh, Blake shared one of those verses this morning, and as he opened this up this morning, but also in Psalm 71 verse 8, it says, my mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all my day. It's a story of joy, When we encounter God, Psalm 1611 says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Some of you didn't get a chance to share your story. You may not sure what that's about. Uh, In your worship guide this morning, there's still that same link. If you'd like to share your stories with me, I would love 
love and cherish to hear those. Probably not at 3 a.m., hopefully this morning, tomorrow morning, but soon. I'd love to listen to those, try to respond to those. Um, And it is out of joy that our thankfulness. So this morning, I want us to try to do something. In our minds, I want us to try to move from sharing our story to how do we take those stories and move into a conversation where we share the good news of Jesus Christ. Our enjoyment of the gospel should lead us into conversations about the gospel. Our enjoyment of the gospel, our joy in the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ should be leading us in the conversations about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, sometimes we say the word gospel in church, and I realize some people may not understand what that is or what we mean by that in our church when we say that, and I want to make sure we define that. The gospel that I'm communicating to you is what's been sung about this morning. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. And here's what it proclaims. Who is God? God is just. God is loving. He is holy. But the gospel also proclaims why we're in such a mess. Over and over and over in all these stories that I read, there is a theme of brokenness. Why? Because we've sinned, and sin leads to brokenness. In every instance, sin leads to brokenness. The good news, though, is what did Jesus Christ do for us? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, lived a sinless life, and he became a perfect sacrifice. Christ's death paid for the sins of all who would come to him by faith. This is how Paul summarized the good news, the gospel, making sure we are on the same page as we continue this morning. Here's what Paul says is the good news of Jesus. He says, now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand. He's reminding them, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance, which I also received. So here's what he's saying. Here's the first thing I conveyed to you. Christ died for our sins in accordance with Scripture. He was buried, and he was raised on the third day in accordance with Scripture. That is the essence of the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul says it in verse 3 and 4. Christ died for our sins in accordance with Scripture, He was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with Scripture. So how do we get back to God? If we're in this state of brokenness, if we're in this state of recognizing who Jesus Christ is, how do we return to God? Scripture tells us in Romans 10, 9 that we repent. Repent means turning our lives to him. Because if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you confess with your mouth and believe that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so as we talk about this morning, moving our story into having gospel conversations, good news conversations, that's what I'm referring to. Moving past, hey, this is my story, and moving into God's story. Moving into the good news, proclaiming the truth of who Jesus Christ is, proclaiming his death, proclaiming his resurrection. Our stories are only good news stories because of Jesus Christ. Make sure you understand that this morning. Our stories, the stories that you share with me this week, are only good stories because of the good news of Jesus Christ. So how do we have gospel conversations? How do we take the conversations that we have every day? You have them. You're going to have a conversation. Some of you had a conversation with me this morning. Some of you are going to have conversations with people at your lunch table today. Some of you are going to have conversations later on this afternoon. You're going to have them in your workplace this week. How do we begin to have gospel conversations, good news conversations? 
first things we got to do is we have to have conversations about what we love and about what brings us joy. You are good at talking about the things that you love and you find joy in. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to take time to do this this morning because I know a lot of you don't like being put on the spot, and so you just sit there and don't participate, okay? So I'm not going to do that to you today. But if I were to say, turn to someone and tell them about one of your favorite things in life, you could do it. You could jump on it. You could talk about your favorite sports team. You could talk about your spouse. If it's your spouse, cue. You should talk about your spouse, all right? You should talk about your family right there. It's a perfect moment. You're going to talk about the things that you love and things that you enjoy, you're natural at doing that. Why? I talk about my family often. Why? Because they're awesome. I love my family. I, I love my kids. They love their dad. Both of us, flaws and all, all six of us, we, we, we love each other. I got an incredible wife. The last few weeks, you've heard me make reference in my messages to my mom and dad and some struggles they've been going to. Why? Because I love them. Because it's what I'm talking about, because it's what's close to my heart. At one point, Jesus was addressing a large crowd, and he was beginning to teach the people how to live out this faith that he was proclaiming to them. And he was proclaiming to them what's later called and later named by other people, the Beatitudes. And he's addressing how do we love and how do we care for others. He, he speaks about that a good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. We are known by the fruit in our lives. And here's what he says in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. He says, The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good. The evil person, out of his heart, uh, out of, person out of his evil treasure, produces evil. Say this last part with me. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Say that with me again. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. There are certain things you are natural at communicating. Why? Because they're close to your heart. Now, over the last few weeks, we've had some awesome opportunities. We've had a, a family that's been staying with us for some time this summer. And, and so that brings just a whole, just, a, just all kinds of crazy dynamics. We've got a four and a three-year-old in our house for part of the summer. It's been a little chaotic. And one night we were sitting at dinner and the three-year-old sitting on my lap. And she says, you have as she takes her little cute finger and does this. You, you have a fallen neck. <laughs> Doctors in the room, it's a new syndrome, fallen neck syndrome, all right? Also known as you're getting older and you have a double chin. Now, I could have and partially wanted to, like, just throw the kid, right? Like, what are you talking about? But you know what kids do? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and it just comes out. Whatever they're thinking, whatever they're seeing, whatever they're experiencing, it comes flying out. But the same is really true for you. You have conversations. You're going to have a conversation tomorrow with somebody, and in the middle of the conversation, you're going to think, because the pastor's telling you this, you're going to think, I can't wait to interject something about my life into this story. You're already going to be thinking, as they're telling you the story, you're going to want to interject part of the conversation. Why? Because it's something that you love and something that you care about. It's something that's close to your heart. Why do we talk about it so much? Why do I normally talk about that person or that thing? When do I tend to find myself talking about those things? 
When we talk about things that we love and we enjoy, this is so important. We don't try to argue our friends into agreement with us. We try to help them experience our joy. We're not trying to argue with them or have a philosophical conversation about a sports team or about one of our kids or our family members. No, we're sharing out of joy, hoping that they catch the joy of the conversation. As we share the gospel of Jesus Christ, hear me this morning with great great clarity, hopefully as I walk through this. Sharing the gospel is not a presentation, it is a conversation. Now let me make a distinction here. Many of us in the room, including myself, have memorized multiple ways to share the gospel. That is an absolute, profoundly important tool for you to have in your toolbox, as we referenced last week. Knowing the scripture, knowing how to make those transitions, how to have those. But your coworker tomorrow at the lunch table or at the break table does not need you to plug up your laptop to the screen in the break room, turn off the television and say, here's my five-point presentation on the gospel. What they need is to hear what's on your heart. What they need to hear is what's close to your heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speak. And so this week I had to take a real hard self-examination. And even last night and this morning, hopefully when you hear someone preach, whether it's me or someone else or at another church, what they're preaching on is called self-examination. And this week it definitely has done that for me. Could it be that we're not having conversations about Jesus because we've allowed a lot of other things to get closer to our heart than Jesus? So out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So all those other things in our lives come out first. I'm not saying they're not important. So I I examine myself, okay? What, What comes out of my mouth because of what's in the abundance of my heart? My family, you guys as a church, I talk about you guys, all positive, all the time. No, mostly positive, let's don't lie, all right? Great church, love you guys. Sports, uh, recently I, I had to go back and listen to my conversations. Counting my calories, boring conversation, but it's something I've talked about. Uh, extended family, music, an upcoming, mo- mu- uh, an upcoming movie, or vacation. We've been talking a lot in our house about vacation. Why? Because it's close to our hearts. But take a real honest assessment this morning. Could it be that people in our lives are not hearing the good news of Jesus from us because it's not close enough to our hearts? Because everything else is crowded and pushed Jesus. He's still there. He's he's in a compartment in there. But we've got to take time. I've got to take time to examine what's gotten closer to my heart. If you're not sure... Ask somebody, what do I talk about? Where do I spend my time? You tell me. Is there something that's grown closer to my heart than Jesus? In a really great book that I read this week entitled Sharing Jesus Without Freaking Out, kind of a good title, the author Alvin Reed talks about conversations versus presentations. And here's another important thing that we need to realize when we're having conversations about our story, about the good news of Jesus Christ. Conversations are personal and they are natural. Presentations can be unnerving. How many of you remember the first time you had to give a presentation in school? Keep your hands raised. Raise them, raise them, raise them, raise them. All right, keep your hands raised if you liked it. 
Billy is the only one. <laughs> Out of 400 people, one person liked it. Why? Here's what happens. See, you're, you're thinking, I might get you nervous just thinking about it. Your, your palms get sweaty. Your knees start knocking. You start thinking, your mouth gets dry. Your heart's racing. Why? Because it's an unnatural part of what you had, you've never done before. The teacher assigns you the task and assigns you the conversation and says, go home and research it, and then you've got to talk for three minutes. Translation, a three-hour conversation, presentation. You've got to give in front of your classmates, and it, you're going to do a horrible job, and everybody's going to pick on you, and it's going to define you for the rest of your life is what you're thinking. It's just not natural. But you're going to have conversations every day this week. Conversations are personal. They're natural. When Jesus has a conversation, we've referred to this passage already. In John chapter 4, he speaks to the woman at the well. He doesn't initially confront her with her sin. What does he do? He's sitting at a well. The lady comes to the well. She comes to get water. So what does Jesus talk about? Water. He starts with a commonality. He starts with a conversation that she's opened the door for. He's already a part of. So let's start. We have something in common. We've got water. You need water. I've got living water, Jesus says. And then he turns the conversation into confronting her with her sinfulness. But he begins with a conversation that's personal. We are naturally going to have conversations. We're not always going to have presentations. We've got to enter into conversations knowing that we are going to have some of those naturally. One more question that I'll ask you to raise your hand on. How many of you had a fish tank growing up as a kid? Fish tank growing up as a kid? All right. How many of you still have a fish tank as, a, as an adult? Billy is still the only one. All right. <laughs> You're two for two, man. Two for two. All right. When you get a new fish... When you get a new fish, here's what happens. You go to the store, you buy the fish. You take it home, you dump it in. No. The fish will die very quickly. You take the fish home. You take the little bag that they bring you home. If some of you did that, you're going to be amazed in a moment why your fish always died, right? You take the fish, you bring it home, and you carefully hold it or float it into the, let's say it's a five-gallon aquarium. And you take the bag, and you hold it above, place it in the water, so that the water acclimates inside the bag to the temperature of the water outside the bag. And then, what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to take, after a few minutes, I think it's every four to five minutes, somebody's going to correct me on this later on, right? You take a little scoop of water, and you pour it into the bag, from the tank into the bag, wait a few more minutes, add a little bit more into the bag, let the fish continue to get used to what you're putting in there. They acclimate to it. They get used to it. So when you take that moment and you pull that bag out and that fish swims, it's familiar with the territory of which it's now swimming. Many of us have thrown up the white flag of sharing Jesus because what we've done is we've just blurted out Jesus all at once. And there are moments where God does the incredible thing and that happens and they come to Jesus. But many of us are expecting people in a broken world come into the fish tank of church and into your life of Jesus-loving people. And you are a Jesus-loving people. And you got this tank full of God's grace and you bring them in in your mind, your heart, and you're carrying this neighbor, this spiritually lost person in this bag and you're saying, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put you in this water. I'm just gonna dump you in and hope you figure it out. 
I'm going to have one conversation with you about the good news of Jesus, and you're going to get it. Everything else in your life is going to change. You're going to understand it. Everything else in the good news of Jesus Christ, you're going to understand the Bible. You're going to understand everything that you need to know about Jesus. I'm dumping you in. I hope you can swim. That's a presentation. A conversation is saying, I'll gradually hold you in that place. And I will gradually pour Jesus into your life. The truth of Jesus. I'll pour my story. I'll pour his story And I pray that there's a moment that when I unleash you into that bag that you trust in Christ and we walk together. And I want to make a disciple. You see, that's a conversation. That's entering into someone's life, having a conversation that will hopefully, prayerfully move them into deeper waters. Gospel conversations also do something. They open the door into the passion but also into the pain of people. You see, some of you shared your story. I pray some of you shared your story outside this room last week because some of you have got pain and brokenness in your story and this is where it really begins to intersect into people's lives that do not know Jesus Christ. This is where real life intersects. Jesus did this with a variety of people. He listened to the religious leader named Jairus. He came to him. Jairus came to him. He says, my my daughter's sick. And he pours out his heart to him. What does Jesus do? He stepped into the pain. He didn't ignore him. He didn't say, hey man, I'm sorry. Tough to be you. Head on back. No, he entered into the pain. When the disciples began to ponder and to begin to wonder about Jesus and ask him some questions, Jesus, what does he do? He enters into the conversation. He starts asking questions back. He enters into where they are in their lives. He's having a conversation in the book of John, uh, records a moment where Jesus is approached by Mary and Martha. Their brother is sick. He is passing. But when Jesus gets there, he's already passed away. At one point, Jesus is standing in front of the tomb of the guy he's about to raise from the dead. And what does he do with the two sisters? He weeps with them. Gospel conversations force us to enter into the pain of people and i promise you they do not know how they do not care how much you know as the saying goes until they know how much you care and jesus stood right there on the verge of opening a tomb and bringing a dead guy out and he wept with them there are people in your life who need to have a gospel conversation a good news conversation and it very well may lead you to brokenness. I've been listening to the conversations I've been having with people out in public. Some of you know I'm, I'm a real introvert. I don't like to talk to people. It's a real problem for me. <clears throat> it's the furthest thing from the truth. But one thing I've noticed in conversations this past year, if you have a conversation with somebody that's more than five or ten minutes, you know what's going to end up being brought up besides politics? brokenness. They're going to talk about a war. They're going to talk about isolation. They're going to talk about fears in the world. They're going to talk about 
a relationship, a sickness in a family member, every conversation, you're going to get there quickly. They're going to bring you to the point of discussing brokenness. And when someone opens the door for us to talk about brokenness, we as believers get to introduce sin. Because sin brings brokenness. Every single time. And as people begin to have conversations with other people, I promise you, at some point in the conversation, it's going to get to brokenness. And we shared earlier, the good news is, yes, we believe that there's brokenness. It's a problem that comes from breaking God's law. It is sinfulness in our lives, and it affects other people. But there is good news for you to share. If it's close enough to our hearts. When Jesus stepped into brokenness, he led people back to himself. For us, brokenness allows us to lead conversations back into Jesus Christ and his good news to the ultimate solution for brokenness and sin, the payment of Jesus Christ upon the cross, his resurrection, conquering sin and death that Paul proclaimed in 1 Corinthians 15 that we saw earlier. If we want to have gospel conversations with people, then we're going to have to enter into painful conversations with people. Because it's where we live. But we also must take place, conversations take place with people we care and love. A new commandment that I give you, Jesus is conveying how do we love other people. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another conversations are going to lead us to authentic relationships where we love someone, where we care for someone, because when we care for someone, we love someone, and we realize they don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it brings brokenness inside of us. It brings an urgency, a burden inside of us to be praying for them. So I want to jump to something at the end of my message this morning because of time. One of the things as we have gospel conversations with people is we must believe the power of Jesus that he still moves in the hearts and lives of people today. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus still moves in the hearts and lives of people today? Our our culture has countered us and said, hey, keep quiet about that. Keep that silent. And what that's done, it's put us into retreat. And again, thrown up the white flag of saying, I, I, I love Jesus. He's close to my heart, but I've shared it before and it didn't go well. So here's my white flag. There's an instance when the disciples begin to follow Jesus in the book of Luke chapter 5. Many of the disciples were fishermen by trade. So Jesus is out with these guys doing what they do. He's calling them to himself. And in Luke chapter 5, verse 4 through 10, he says this. Scripture says this. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And he said, Master, we toiled all night. We took nothing. But at your word, I'll let down your nets. And I I have to believe that in this moment, verse 5, because of the confession that comes in just a moment, that Simon, later becoming Peter, is going, fine, I'll put down the nets. We fished all night. Jesus, we haven't caught a thing. But I'll put down the nets, fine. 
Parents, I know you've never experienced that sentiment at all. Fine, I'll do it. When they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both the boats, so they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at his knees and said, Jesus, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him astonished, were astonished at the catch of the fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. As we have gospel conversations, I want to ask, do we believe that Jesus still moves and does miraculous things in the hearts and lives of people around us? Did the fishermen change boats? No. Did they change bait? No. Did they get new nets? No. Did they go to different waters? No. Did they have Jesus with them? Yes. And that made all the difference. And as you step into gospel conversations with people that have rejected Christ, that have told you they don't like church, they don't like a pastor, they don't like a preacher, and you begin to reel back, I want you to think, he has called you to become a fisher of men, and he wants to catch netfuls. But we've got to put down the nets. And you say, I've gone there before, I've shared Jesus before, put them back in. Because Jesus still moves in the hearts and lives of people. Man, we're raising our hand. The same power that resurrected him is resurrecting me. Really? If it's resurrecting you, then let's let it resurrect some other people. Let's let it catch. Let's let it the nets down of our lives and say, you know what? I have a story, and it is full of what God has done and what God is doing. And I'm going to share it, and at times it's going to go really well, and at times I feel it's going to go flat. I'm going to fall flat on my face, but I'm going to go in prayed up, ready, and I'm going to go in expecting that Jesus still moves. Do we believe that Jesus still moves, or do we just say like Simon does, fine, I'll put down the nets. Pastor told me I got to do this today. Fine. I think we'll come back like Peter going, I've sinned. Jesus still moves. Your stories convinced me of that if I needed convincing this week. Jesus still moves. So I want to ask you to join me in praying something this week. Again, it's in your worship guide. If you don't have a worship guide, you can write it down. It's on the screen. Here's what it is. God, give me an opportunity to speak with someone about Jesus Give me wisdom to see it. Give me boldness to take it. Say that with me. God, give me an opportunity to speak with someone about Jesus. Give me wisdom to see it. Give me boldness to take it. Let's do this one more time because I want that boldness to be there, all right? Give me an opportunity to speak to someone about Jesus. Give me wisdom to see it and give me boldness to take it. You could summarize that by saying, give me an opportunity, give me wisdom, give me boldness. Give me an opportunity, give me wisdom, give me boldness. Give me an opportunity this week, God, to share my story and your story, the good news with someone else. And when I share it, God, help me to see it and give me the boldness to say it. Why? Because Jesus still catches fish and he's catching men. And he's given you the tools, the Holy Spirit, the power 
to speak truth into the lives of a spiritually lost generation. Do we believe that Jesus still moves? God, give me an opportunity to speak with someone about Jesus. Give me wisdom to see it. Give me boldness to speak it.